Thanks for downloading this week's Revolution Community Church podcast. We hope you are challenged by this talk and will share it with your family and friends. If this is your first encounter with Revolution, we'll hope you'll come and visit us at our Logansport campus at 3930 East Market Street. Or check us out online at revolutioncc.org. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode at Revolution, where Sundays are a party, where the family gets together, and we're always expecting guests. The Bible, 66 books written by 40 divinely inspired authors who tell one continuous story of God and his people. Under the reigns of Saul, David, and Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was united. But after Solomon dies, the kingdom splits in two. There is a northern kingdom that keeps the name Israel and a southern kingdom that takes on the name Judah. The northern kingdom is ruled by a series of evil kings who lead the people astray. Eventually, God allows this northern kingdom to be conquered by the Assyrians and they are virtually destroyed. The southern kingdom, also called Judah, has a few good kings but a lot of bad ones and they too stray from God. And 125 years after the northern kingdom fell, Judah is conquered by the Babylonians. The Babylonians destroy the temple and the city of Jerusalem and carry the people of God off into captivity in Babylon. This period of biblical history is called the exile. Daniel was one of the men carried off into exile and his book contains the epic stories of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den. The exile in Babylon lasts for 70 years until the Persians conquered the Babylonians. While still under foreign rule, the people of God received the blessing of the Persian kings to return to their homeland to rebuild. The book of Ezra tells the story of the rebuilding of the temple and the reinstatement of worship. The book of Nehemiah tells of the rebuilding of the city walls around Jerusalem. There is one last book in the Bible associated with the period of the exile. The book of Esther is grouped with Ezra and Nehemiah because the story takes place during the reign of the Persian kings. This book tells the story of a young Jewish woman named Esther and her uncle Mordecai, who courageously saved the people of God from an evil plot to destroy them. We've now covered all of the history books in the Old Testament. All that is left before we turn the page to the New Testament are the books of the prophets. All right, so this is week five. We've got one more week in the prophets next week. And you're probably thinking, well, how, like, this has turned the page of the Bible. How are we going to get through the whole thing in one more week? Just hang on. All right, we're going to talk about it next week. But uh, hey, you just, again, you just heard Lucas and Tracy's story. Uh, in, in, you know, in, in the, just the one year we've been in this building, this new building, you've heard dozens of stories. If you've been coming, you've heard dozens of stories already shared from this stage or on these screens because at Revolution, we value stories. We believe stories are powerful. They challenge, they inspire, they, they, help us, they help us visualize what it looks like to follow Jesus. Like we can read a verse on a page and then we hear a story. It's like, oh, that's how I live that out. And it, it just helps so much. We believe stories are so powerful. We have a way, maybe this is a next step for some of us, for you to kind of share your story with the staff at Revolution. On our website, you can go to revolutioncc.org forward slash story and there's a form there. You just kind of fill it out. You type out, maybe it's a section 
of your story. Maybe it's your whole story you want to share. Maybe this is just a next step you take. And, and if you do that, when you hit send, that does not sign you to be on stage, okay? Or to make a video. It's simply a way to kind of capture your story, to capture some of the life change that's happening in and through revolution. Uh, several people have taken advantage of that. And, and so it, we've said it so many times too. God never writes a story just for you. God's never given you an experience that's just about you. It's always for somebody else. God's always going to use it. Maybe it's in your life group. Maybe it's on this stage. Maybe it's just in sending it and seeing what God does through it. So I just challenge you, if you're thinking, well, maybe that's a next step, that's a next step, all right? Just go, put an alarm in your phone right now, go there later, or go there now. It's probably more important than what I'm going to say, okay? Just go there and fill that out, all right? So in, in this Turn the Page series, it's been about stories. We've been talking about stories. We've, we've been walking through the bigger story of the entire Bible by summarizing the different sections through kind of videos that we've been looking at, and then we've been diving into the story of one person, or maybe a couple people in some weeks, one person in the story that helps us kind of understand that section a little bit more. And we, we, So we've been turning the pages of the Bible, and we've been kind of seeing how people in the Bible had to turn the page season of their life. We've, we've talked about people that went from being blessed to being a blessing, and from striving to surrendered, uh, and from fear to faith. That was Moses a couple weeks ago, and from uh, last week it was from avoided to anointed. We've just seen how God's just turning the page of these people in Scripture. And we've also, one other thing we've been doing every single week, we've been engaging with a reading plan in the Bible. So every single week we've given like a challenge for you to take with you, like to read that, that kind of takes what we talk on Sunday a step further. So let me go ahead and give you this week's right now. Uh, it's, it's in the YouVersion Bible app. It's called Boulder. YouVersion Bible app, totally free app for any uh, smartphone device. You search that in plans. It's going to be the first one that pops up. If you need any help with that, please reach out to myself, uh, someone at Next Steps. Will, but that's, and, and engage it with people in your group or, or, you know, invite some people that you know at Revolution into kind of going through it with you. So, so today, as the video said, we're, we're going to pick up the biblical story in the book of Daniel, 27th book in the Old Testament. And we pick up the story as a remnant of the people of God have been carried off into exile to Babylon. And one of those exiles is Daniel. And when he's carried off, he's, he's a young boy, teenager age, something like that, and he's grown up following the one true God. And when he gets into Babylonian exile, they notice he has some gifts. The king kind of notices he has some gifts and, and kind of brings him into kind of an inner circle of young boys that, that he wants to kind of raise up to be leaders in Babylon. But, but Daniel is tempted time and time again to turn away from his God and follow the, the gods of the Babylonians, to, to, to abandon his faith and to follow this, this idol, this idolatry faith. They try to get him to worship false gods, and every time, Daniel's like, nope, I'm not bowing, I'm not bending, I'm not backing down, I follow my God. And because of Daniel's faithfulness, God blesses him and expands his influence in the empire. And then we get to today's story. And here's the challenge with today's story. Some of us in the room, if you grew up in church, you might have heard today's story told with the use of what was called a flannel graph. Now, it, and if you don't remember, like if you didn't grow up in church, you don't know what a flannel graph is, you're probably ahead of the game today, okay? You, you don't have all these preconceived ideas about the story because one of the challenges with today's story is if, if you've heard it before, we, we seem to think through this story through like a flannel graph Sunday school lens. Uh, today's story, it's one of the Sunday school classics, I'll call it. I, I was thinking about kind of three classic stories. You got Noah's Ark, 
which many of us have probably heard, pictured here. You got Jonah and the whale or the great fish. And then you got Daniel in the lion's den. It's, it's one of like the classic top three stories. And as you hear that title, if you grew up in the church, you probably think of this young, attractive guy named Daniel that's on fire for God, nice purple sash. He refuses to stop praying to his God, and he's thrown into a pit with lions, but God protects Daniel by turning the lions into giant kittens that he cuddles with all night long. But the story is actually much different than we probably remember from Sunday school or the Superbook VHS tapes. Again, if you don't know what that is, you're ahead of the game today, okay? Because the reality is, in this story that we pick up here in Daniel 6, Daniel's north of 80 years old at this time. So he's been following God for probably eight decades of his life or more. And trust me, the lions are not kittens, okay? He's not cuddling with any lions. Nowhere in today's story do we see that God turned the lions into kittens. They're real lions, okay? And I respect a lion. I, I mean, I hate cats, but I respect lions uh, so, so much, I, I, was, I was scrolling through my Facebook news feed the other day, and you know how like just random videos will kind of pop up in your news feed that friends shared at some point in time or whatever. So I'm, I'm scrolling through Facebook, and, and this video pops up. Ooh, warthog, warthog. Ooh, 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 ooh. She's got a warthog. Did you get her? Oh, my God. She's getting a warthog. Look at her. Is the other lion coming in? Oh, my God. This is going on YouTube <laughs> after. Yes. <laughs> that out. Look at that. Oh, wow. Look at him holding it. Now we know why there's not many warthogs here. So the Lion King movie's full of crap, right? I mean, lions aren't singing Hakuna Matata with warthogs. They're ripping their face off and chawing their neck in half, right? I mean, this, that's what lions do. And did you notice, like, the female lion does all the work, and then the male lion comes in at the end to reap the benefits? What is up with that? Some of the ladies are like, sounds like my husband right there. <laughs> We're going to leave that alone, though. We're not even going there, okay? But that's what lions do, okay? They are apex predators. So think, think of that video as we dive into this story and we see what Daniel has to face, okay? A couple more things to note before we really kind of turn the page to Daniel 6. Uh, at this time in the, the story, there's a new king in charge in the empire named Darius. Uh, and King Darius, administrative genius, he's kind of changed the governmental structure of the empire where he's divided it into 120 provinces that are all led by 120 different uh, leaders. And then they have, there's three administrative leaders. Daniel's one of the three that are kind of over the 120, but also they, they are in charge of the financial affairs of the nation. They have to, to balance the national checkbook of the empire. We could use a Daniel in America today probably, right? But anyway, Daniel, Daniel does so well in his position as an administrator that this is what chapter 6, verse 3 says. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. That's a promotion. Okay, Daniel is going to be placed as one of the most powerful men in the world. So the favor of God is obviously on Daniel's life, but, but not everyone around Daniel is happy about how God is favoring him and promoting him and all this stuff. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Look at this description. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. 
which that's a difference Daniel and I have, okay? Daniel's got it all together. Me, not so much. I'm especially, I especially don't have that always responsible part figured out. I've shared before, my wife sometimes feels like she's raising four kids at home. Um, for example, uh, the other day, our, my two boys, uh, Jakin's 12, Bentley's 5, uh, and me, we were playing football in the living room. And because um, we, we got a great living, like our living room is back to back with the kitchen. There's a wall in between. You got two archways. So the boys can run through the kitchen, like through that first archway into the kitchen, out the, like shoot out the second archway, and then the couch is a few feet into the, the living room. They'll jump on the couch. I'll hit them in midair, you know, touch down on the couch. It's awesome. A lot of things have been broken. Wax on the wall. But it's worth it. It's so worth it. So I'm working on the responsible thing. But Daniel's got it all together, right? So here's what happened. So they concluded, these other administrators that are jealous of him, they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So think about this. Like He, he is such a man of character and integrity that these people that are jealous of him, they, they can't get him to do anything wrong. They can't find him doing anything wrong. So they're like, well, we've got to figure out something good he's doing and kind of twist it to make it look bad. That's how, like, imagine being of, of such high character that no one can dig up any dirt on you. But they have to, like, so they have to turn something good you do into dirt to make it look like you did something bad. That's kind of be the strategy they go with. That's how strong jealousy is, by the way. That's, that's the strategy. And I guess what I'm saying is this. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. I mean, just anticipate it because it will happen. And let me just share, you, share with you something that just, it just drives me crazy about American Christianity. The, the whole idea that if I'm following God, things are going to go well in my life. Like, if I just follow Jesus, everyone will love me, and I won't face any opposition. We, we think that if we're going through a trial, if we're going through a struggle, like, oh, I must have done something wrong, or God must have left me to fend for myself, like, what's going, like, we, we, we kind of think that way. Like, leading revolution now for nine years, we celebrated nine years last month, being in full-time ministry 17 years now, which is crazy to think about. Like, I actually believe the opposite at this point. Like, I get worried when I don't face opposition. <laughs> I get worried when I don't hear rumors about myself or revolution in the community. Because we, we have fought against that ever since we started this church. People have tried to discredit this movement called revolution. And probably calling ourselves revolution in the early days wasn't the best strategy to avoid that. But that's what we went with because it means change and we want to change and get people to change. But back when we started, we would hear this phrase. And I even got an email from another pastor that said, you know, he, like a rumor had been going around that revolution's the center-friendly church. And I'm like, please keep spreading that. I mean, we want that. That is who we are. Yes, some of the things we hear today are uh, revolution doesn't preach from the Bible, which I don't even know what to do with that. Like when I hear it, it's so blatantly false, I don't even know what to say. Uh, here's, here's one I heard uh, just the other day. Revolution's too progressive. <laughs> if, if progressive means like reaching people for Christ and seeing Jesus change people's lives, you could call it obsessive, aggressive, progressive, I don't care what you call it, we're just going to keep doing it, and we're just going to keep seeing Jesus change people's lives through this movement called Revolution Church. Yeah. I don't care what it's called. But when, when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Just as a warning to those that, like, you're on fire for God right now, 
Like you, you are just so passionate for him. Man, keep putting wood on that fire. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay engaged with that YouVersion Bible app. Stay connected with other Christ followers because I promise you a trial's coming. I promise you people will try to, t- to tear you down, to tear you away from this passion you have right now. If, if, you're, if you're not sure about Jesus, you're, you're thinking about making that decision, here's something you need to know. Following Jesus doesn't make life easier. Better, not easier. I think we face more opposition as a Christ follower. People will try to tear you down. We, we saw a lion in action a few minutes ago. Let, let me tell you about crabs, okay? We got a great picture of a, I love this crab right here. Uh, and, and maybe some of you have heard this, just a little information about crabs. If you put up a, like a, a bunch of crabs in the bottom of a bucket, and one of the crabs decides like he wants to get free, like Braveheart, it, you'll free it up and try to get out like this guy right here, try to get out of the bucket. The other crabs at the base of the bucket will reach up with their claws and pull the crab trying to escape back down. Like if you can't be free, I can't be free. Man, human beings are like that sometimes. And, and sometimes the people you think will be the most excited for your life change and for you bettering yourself and following Christ, they're going to be the ones that discredit it, that question it, or, or maybe God speaks for you to do something really countercultural, like you're, you're going to downsize and get out of debt, or, or you're going to start homeschooling the kids, or, or God just speaks to you to, to start giving generously of some of your resources, like those things that just don't make sense in so many people's minds. Like there's going to be people that are like, what are you doing? I heard this statement at a training I was at for New Thing this week, our, our church planning network. I was in Chicago for a couple days, and uh, the, the North America director, he said this, and I wrote it down. He said, uh, the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you is to focus on what everyone else thinks about you. Man, that's so true. And I, I need to keep talking to God about this because I'm just at this place where I don't care that much about the rumors that, I, that come back to me about myself or about revolution. Like, I know who I am in Christ. I know who God's called us to be. I know what God's called this movement to be. So, like, in the, in the words of the great theologian, Taylor Swift, here, shake it off, shake it off, I, 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 shake it off, shake it off, okay? <laughs> Write that down. I lost my man card there. I'm a, I'm a fan, okay? She's, she's make some good songs. All right. Mike, don't take my man card for that. Okay, okay. So back to the story. Verse 6. So, okay, uh, the administrators, here's what it says. The administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. Okay, they got to butter up the king. Of course, that's how it works in these stories. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that we will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days. How many days? One more time. How many days? 30 days, okay. Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. So again, they can't get any dirt on Daniel. So they're like, okay, we know he prays, so we, let's just try to deceive the king. We'll speak to his ego a little bit. We'll try to get him to make a law that says if you pray to anyone but the king, you're going to get thrown into a, a lion's den. 30-day law, maybe he'll go for the 30 days. Let's see what happens. And he signs it. Like they appeal to his ego, and the king signs this law that you pray to anyone but me, you're going to be ripped apart by lions. So how does Daniel respond? When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and, and that's a, this is a big and right here, and he, let's, can we read this together? He knelt down as usual, 
in his upstairs room, here we go, with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, as he'd always done, giving thanks to his God. And we're going we're gonna to leave this up for a few minutes, because I, I want to break this down a little bit. But, so I, as I see it, Daniel had three options. Like He could stop praying. Like law, that you, if you pray to anyone but the king, you're going to get thrown into a den of lions. He could be like, God, you are, I, I don't want to die, so just forgive me in advance. Like I'm just going to not pray for the next 30 days. That's an option. Another option, he could have prayed secretly and silently. Now, you don't have to pray out loud, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with silent prayer. Like if, if I'm being honest, this is what I would be tempted to do. I'll just fly under the radar. I'll keep praying, but I won't let anybody know that I'm doing it. And, and, and again, silent prayer, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I actually encourage couples, like if you, don't, if you haven't taken that step of praying out loud together, maybe a, a next step is to pray silently together as a couple. And what I mean by that is just like hold hands, sit on the couch, bow your head, close your eyes. Each of you pray silently. You just kind of praying together. And when you're done, say amen. When the other person's done, say amen. And I've heard the... The husband's always finished first. But anyway, but that's just a, maybe a next step you can take, all right? But nothing wrong with praying silently, but that's not what Daniel does. He goes with option three. I'm just going to keep praying like I always have. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let some law change my prayer rhythms, you know? I mean, Daniel continues to pray just as he always does. And we get a few details, right? It says he knelt down as usual. Daniel is one of the most powerful men in the world. Not just the empire, but the world at this time. He's not bowing to anyone. But he also knows that if he's going to stand before people, he has to kneel in prayer before God. It's just part of what he does. Part of his prayer posture. And then the next detail we get is that he prays with the windows open. Even in the midst of extreme opposition, Daniel is public with his faith. So I want us to just think about this question right here. How public are you with your faith? And I don't mean obnoxiously public, okay? I don't mean like you, you, every conversation you start with a Bible verse and Lord and glory and all those kind of, or, or, or that, that you wear this big gold cross around your neck just to say I'm a Jesus follower. You walk around with a megaphone preaching the gospel at all times. I think all that stuff does more to push people away from Jesus than lead them toward him. But, but just, just simple things, like think about this. Are you willing to pray over your food in the break room at work or at the cafeteria at school? I mean, just this simple 15 to 20 seconds, like I'm identifying, like I follow God, and I'm thankful for this because of him. Just 15, 20 seconds. Uh, what about sharing your faith story with somebody? Maybe somebody that you carpool with to work or somebody at work or just co coworker, friend. Someone that doesn't have, have faith yet. Well, what about simply inviting someone to church? When's the last time you invited someone to revolution? Maybe that's your next step. Uh, what about taking advantage of open doors in conversation? And we can sense these things as, as people, right? Like we, we just sense that, oh, maybe this would be an opportunity to share about Jesus or to, to talk about what Scripture says or what God talks you know, in, in relation to this conversation. Do we take advantage of those things? And if you're like, well, Anthony, I would do that, but I, I might get made fun of, or uh, you know, they might not respond very well. Well, we did just hear that Daniel is facing a den of lions for, for being public with his faith, right? I, I promise, no matter what persecution you might face this week, no matter what you might face, unless you're witnessing at the Indianapolis Zoo and things go really bad, 
I mean, like, it's got to go really bad. You will not face lions for your faith this week, okay? But So what does that look like? To, like, to, to go public, to be public with your faith. And then, so Daniel knelt down as usual. He prayed with the windows open. Let's, let's throw that verse back on the screen. What was that third thing? And he prayed three times a day. Three times a day. So Daniel, as I said before, he's north of 80 years old in this story. Let's just imagine that he's been praying this way since he was 20, because he, as he's always done, it says, right? So let's just say he's been praying since age 20 to age 80. That is 65,700 prayers. That's a lot of prayers. And, and then when the opposition comes, like he's just like, no, this is just part of what I do. This is part of my faith. Like, what is that? I mean, that's commitment for sure. I think it's deeper than that. That's conviction. Like, conviction is a deeply held belief. It's like, I'm, like, nothing can take this away. This belief is part of who I am now. Like, I just, I pray three times a day. That's just my conviction. So here's another question I have for us. Is your faith a conviction or a convenience? When you're in crisis, like Daniel is here, I mean, does your faith become even more important? Like, I've got to hold on to it more now. Or does it become something like, oh, I just... It's kind of inconvenient now, so I don't really, it's not part of my life right now. Let, let me show us verse 11, and we'll talk about this some more. So King Darius passes the law. Daniel continues to pray. And then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking for God's help. So, like, what are you doing when you get caught in a crisis? What are you doing when you get caught in a crisis? And, and see, that's the question that reveals to us whether our, our faith is a conviction or a convenience. Anyone can keep the faith when they're getting promoted to the next level in the kingdom. It, it takes a man or a woman of conviction to stay strong in the midst of opposition. And see, people are watching us. People are watching you when you're in a crisis. How are you going to handle that? Like you're, They're watching how you handle that job loss or how you handle that gossip at work. or They're watching how you handle being persecuted for your faith. Your kids are watching how you and your spouse handle disagreements. Your neighbors are watching how, how you're doing with that uh, outdoor house project that not, is not going as planned. They're, they're watching to see how you respond when this happens, you know, right? I mean, your coworkers are watching how you handle stress, how you handle the layoff, the downsizing. Uh, Sean and I, we celebrated 17 years married last weekend. I shared that last week, and we made a Facebook post about it because that's what you have to do now you ha to make it legit. It's got to be on Facebook. So, and I was checking some of the responses to that this week, and, and most of the comments were, you know, happy anniversary and congratulations and, and that kind of stuff. Thanks for that, by the way. And um, uh, there's a few comments that were talking about, man, you guys are such an inspiration, or, man, what a great couple to look to. And my first thought when I read those was, Man, my wife and I had a fight about where we were eating dinner yesterday. That's, that's, so, I mean, we're, never, we're not going to always get this right. But if, if we can remember that, that people are watching how we handle ourselves in crisis and that how we handle ourselves in those times are evidence to whether our faith is a conviction or a convenience. Just some things to think about, okay? So, the officials caught Daniel praying. And let's just finish the story. So here's, what, here's where it goes next. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. 
Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to God three times a day. We got it on video. You want to check it out? It's still happening. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He's like, oh, not Daniel. He, he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. He couldn't do it. He'd signed it. Official law. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I mean, why, don't say anything, dude. Just it's just rubbing it in. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Quick side note on this. We've said every week, every page and every person in the Bible points to Jesus. Think about some of the details of this and how closely connected these details are to something we just sang about a few minutes ago, the resurrection of Jesus. Stone was rolled in front of the grave, official royal seal. Nobody could rescue the body of Jesus, but but he rose again, defeating death. And let's see what happens with Daniel. Okay, verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, couldn't sleep at all that night. So no Chicago med, no Chicago PD, no Chicago fire, no Chicago pizza, no Chicago whatever else they're going to come up with. Please stop the Chicago. Anyway, <laughs> That's just it. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And I love that description right there. Your God whom you serve so faithfully. Man, that's a reputation I want to have. Another translation, it says, uh, the God whom you continually serve. May the God whom you continually serve. Man, I do not want to be one of these guys that midlife, crisis, point of life, like burns out in ministry, burns out in their faith. So many guys I follow get to this point where it's just, it, it becomes like a job and it's not, like I, want to, like I want to serve so faithfully. I want Revolution Church to be people that we, like we serve so faithfully. That's, that's what could be said over our lives. Daniel answered, long live the king. Which, that takes some humility to say that after the king threw him in the den of lions. But that just speaks to who Daniel was. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they will not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then King Darius sent this message, look at this, to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. See, Daniel literally changed the world. And, and think about it. If Daniel had went with my strategy of praying secretly and silently, this doesn't happen. This letter doesn't get sent out. If he doesn't remain public with his faith in the midst of crisis, the king of the nation doesn't turn to God. He just flies under the radar for a month. It was his public display of faith, his continued public display of faith in the midst of opposition. 
that, that sent shockwaves through the entire empire and the world. Final verse of the chapter. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Because, here it is, when we do what's right, we can always trust God with the results. When we do what's right, we can always trust God with the results. Now notice it doesn't say when we do what's right, we always get the result we want. Now that's probably Daniel's story, right? And there's a lot of stories in the Bible where that happens. But there's a lot of stories where the result is not exactly what the lead character in the story would have wanted. But we can, when we do what's right, we can always trust God with the results. And some of us were like, yeah, that's true. And I think others of us, we might be sitting in the room, we're like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. Because I've been praying about something, and I've been struggling through something, and I've been in this den for more than a night. Okay, I've been struggling with this, and it seems like God's not listening, God's not answering, God's not doing anything. And I'm, I'm thinking about giving up. I'm thinking about throwing in the towel. And, and my hope is that, like, this final song that the band sings for us, that it, like, kind of ends the message. Like, this, these are the final words of today's talk. So let, let's just listen in.